Brother Bishop, you know how much I love your pastor. And uh, he's a man when God calls men. And I'm sure he's got flaws. We all do. Amen. And we could pick each other's flaws. In fact, Paul warns us, don't bite, up, don't bite and devour one another. Because you can destroy each other. There's enough problems with all of us. If we, if we ever got exposed and God was, would, would do that, we wouldn't like each other at all. We'd really be independent Baptists. <laughs> Where do you go? Nowhere. Who do you friends with? No, no one. I'm independent, you know. But we can bite and devour one another. <clears throat> and so how I work with that is I get a good list. My enemies, I have a good list on all my enemies. Those who hate me, I have a good list. Because there's good in everybody. And it makes me sleep better, eat better, have a better attitude. And I'm so sorry. My humor sometimes can offend people. I'm really so sorry. I really, uh, I really don't realize it. That's how I grew up. I grew up in a very poor home without a dad, and we used laughter to get by. It was like our medication. I mean, I could laugh. I could, we had roaches. We would take one of the antennas off to see what it would do, take the other antenna off to see. As you know, when you have no toys, when you can't afford toys, you took the roaches one leg off and the one in a circle, you know. Then we'd, we'd race the roaches, and if he didn't win, you go you step on them and <laughs> go look for another one. There were our toys. That's how poor we were. You know, buck, buck was a game. We had hide the belt. You know, whoever finds it gets to beat the snot out of all the kids that can't get back to home base. And, and, the, and we laughed at everything, you know. You could be dying in front of us, and we'd find a joke or something about how you're dying. Or, you know, it's just sick. So I'm a very sick individual. Jesus is working on me. I'm getting better. I really am. I'm really, I'm really getting conscious that everybody's ha not everybody's happy. <laughs> so just leave me alone. I'm enjoying myself, you know. I'm out of my mind. I'm in the mind of Christ. But, but humor, it says that, that laugh to do with good like a medicine. And when you don't laugh, when you can't find humor in everything, you do have problems. You can't get peace. You get sick. I believe a lot of our ailments, and we're going to the doctors, and, and they're giving us chemicals trying to fix it. And I don't believe in bipolar, and you might be bipolar, and I don't want to offend you, and I usually do offend people. Bipolar means is you're one way one moment, and you're another way another moment. You're north and south. Well, so am I, but I'm on medication. There's some days I'm up, there's some days I'm down. Sometimes I'm up and down in the same day, some in the same hour. You, you know what makes me up? My thinking. You know what makes me down? My thinking. Well, I can't help think about it. Yes, you can. It's your choice what you think about. Think on these things, whichever things be true and honest and pure and just and lovely. You've got a choice. If there be any virtue in any circumstance, if there be any virtue in any person, think on that good thing, that virtue of that person. It's for your own mental and physical health. Boom. Okay. All right. It's enough doctor, doctoring. Okay. Second Peter is a great book. He says, you know, in chapter 3, verse 1, we said the other the day in chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, we said in verse 12, remember, remember to add to your, to your Christianity and remember to share what you add. Amen. So remember to add it and remember to, you know, to, to, to share it. Salvation is not enough. You got to put off the old man and put on the new man. And he says it three times in 112, 1, chapter 1, 13 and 14. He says, I want, I want you to remember before I die. And then he says in verse 15, in fact, I want you to remember after I'm deceased. 
After I die, you just can't be a believer in Jesus. You got to be a behavior, a behavior in Jesus. You need to behave a certain way. And you're not going to do it unless you add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and the knowledge temperance and the temperance patience and patience godliness, imports, exports, brotherly kindness, and charity. Boom, it works. But it don't work for me. Well, you got to get stuff in. It just doesn't work from your head. It works from your mind, your heart. You know, and so, so here he is. Look at this, Second Peter chapter three. He says, "The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance." It's something he wants us to remember, not just adding to our Christianity, but there's something else he wants us to remember. And I would say he would probably use the same. He don't want to waste ink, but he would have probably said in this chapter even maybe more times: remember, 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 remember. And he wants us to remember something in this chapter. And I pray that when we're done tonight, it'll be something you'll be able to remember. And it will. If you can remember this chapter, it'll help you. It'll transform your life. There's one thing you really need to remember, right? And so we pray before you leave, you'll remember this one thing. This one thing I do, St. Paul says, I don't look back, but I look for This one thing Peter wants us to remember. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for chapter 3. We thank you that you not only, uh, Father God, inspired it, recorded it, but you preserved it for our generation. We have your mind. And through Peter, we get to see how you think. You know the end times way back then, and I do believe we're living in them, Lord. Help us to remember what you through Peter want us to remember in these challenging times. And the unsaved, I pray tonight, you save them. If there'll be anybody here who's relying on just a prayer, I pray they'll not settle for a prayer of salvation, but true salvation to go to the cross, remove their life from Adam, and pick up your life in the resurrection, the life that's everlasting life, the life that'll change appetites, it'll change affections, it'll change even associations, and a lot of times our addresses. Had your pastor tonight touch his body. Father, thank you for the wonderful meal today. And thank you for those who labored, not only for today, but Friday, the great celebration, Lord, of marriage. And then, Lord Jesus, for the accommodations. Bless this church for their labor and love, especially towards us servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Remember, what does he want us to remember? He says in verse 2 and 3, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles, uh, of the Lord Savior. And so he wants us to remember. What's this he wants to remember? Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffer walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? They want to get us off of the blessed hope that we have. Hope is a confident expectation. If we know that he's coming back tonight, a lot of us in this room would adjust our lives. But because we don't think it, we just hang in with the frogs one more day. Amen. Just one more night with the frogs, man. Just one more night. We'll be Wednesday in church, I'll get right, you know. But if we really believe this, we would adjust ourselves. We really would. And not only that, we'd be like Noah. I think Noah to the last day begged people to get into the ark. Noah seeing what the end was. And Noah's in this chapter. His whole, his whole history is right there in this chapter. This is a great chapter. Great chapter for Christians, especially us Baptists. And we'll see that in a little bit. 
And so he wants us to remember the prophets, amen? Why? Because there's going to be scoffers who are going to come and resist their prophecies. Where is he? Come on, guys, get over it. He's not coming back. Well, there is no God. Or uh, there might be a God, but we, don't, we can't know God. And they give you all this stuff, but you know God. I know the Lord. He cannot lie, amen? He is coming, and we don't know when, and we're going to find out why he's not come yet in this chapter. So there's a remembrance of the prophets. And, a, and I would say, remember what the prophets. I do believe he's saying, remember the prophecies. What good is remembering Micah or Isaiah or Jeremiah? But if you remember with Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah, if you know what they said, hey, we've seen him coming. He's got holes in his hands. Where'd you get those holes in your hands? Hey, the one who died and rose again is coming again. Hallelujah. We got your holes in your hand. Where'd you get them? I got them in the house of my friends. And he's, you know, man, guess what? I always wanted to be the Lone Ranger. One of these days, I'm coming back with a horse. I am. Look at that. That's Dominic Benichetti. Woohoo! That's this brother Bish. Amen. It's brother Rob. It's brother Carson. But I'm leaving like Superman. The rapture. I'm gonna stand on a cloud. Who am I? I mean, Superman, the Lone Ranger. Man, I got Savior. I'm saved. Some exciting things. You know, if we thought about this, it'd be fun. Amen. We live every day excited. I'm leaving on a jet plane. We're better than a jet plane, right? Remember that song? Military days. I was, I was leaving on a jet plane when that song came out. Amen. Leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. When we leave, we'll know when we're coming back in seven years. Amen. And by the way, it's in the Old Testament. It's Isaiah 26, verse 20. You'll look at it. You'll see the rapture in the book of Isaiah. Remember what the prophets said. Not just the prophets, but the prophecies, what they told us. President Obama once said, ah, oh, the Old Testament. <laughs> the Old Testament is like old. <laughs> it's, it's not even relevant anymore. It's not, you know, what, you know what the Old Testament is? It's the old way of getting your sins forgiven. It was a covenant, Mosaic covenant. It was a testament. Genesis is not an Old Testament. There's still things that haven't happened. It's not old. I mean, we still got Abraham's land to be given to him. Amen. It's, David's got to rule and reign. It's not old. It's still future. Isaiah talks about the millennial kingdom in Isaiah 10 and 11 and Isaiah 60, 61. That's the millennial kingdom, which old is the way getting our sins forgiven. But let me show you the new and living way or the new and living testament, the new covenant, Jesus Christ. Two covenants. And when we say the Old Testament, we say shame. We categorize Genesis to Malachi as being old. So be, we don't, don't work on that. The only Old Testament was Moses' Testament. And now we have a New Testament. That's the Testament Christ made with us. And Moses, is, Moses was a type, a picture of Jesus Christ. Amen? A blood covenant. Jesus says, this is a new covenant, my blood. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus... But the new covenant says, and he remembers our sins no more. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. That's a new covenant. David prayed the old covenant. Hey, Lord, my blood. That the, the guy in the back, the publican, he prayed, he prayed toward the old covenant. He, is, he actually brought the covenant into his prayer. When you pray, bring the covenant into your prayer. You said it was your blood in this new covenant. You can't break a covenant. I'm pleading the blood today. It cleansed like, wow. Boom. 
I get cleansed based on a covenant. You cannot deny it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm happy. I really believe all this stuff. <laughs> Good excuse, huh? I am. I really am a pretty much happy guy. Am I a happy guy? You better say yes. <laughs> Those scars on his head, his wife gave them. They were not mine. So he wants us to resist the scoffers. And he, and he says here, verse 4, saying, where is the promise of his coming? In verse 5, for they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, verse 6, whereby the world then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the, the judgment or the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. And now I want to show you something. God's a Baptist. Amen. Was the world baptized? The whole world being under water and the world coming up out of water. And in fact, in 1 Peter 3, it says Noah's Ark is a picture of today's baptism. God's a Baptist. Holy Spirit's a Baptist. He baptizes into the body of Christ. Jesus is a Baptist. John's a Baptist. I mean, if you, can, if you know Baptist, you know, people who took their name off their buildings had no idea they were taking the doctrine of the gospel. You know what baptism is? It's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's the way to a new life. Jesus was baptized by, by the Holy Spirit, by himself. He says, you can't be baptized in a baptism I'm going to go through, can you? He took the sins of the world and buried them. Moses had a baptism through the... God's a Baptist in this chapter. The Baptist. He's a baptizer. He baptized the world. Baptism is a sign of judgment. And when you get baptized the Holy Spirit, it's a sign you've been judged already. You're never going to have judgment again. And then you stand in the water publicly and say, let me tell you what I just did. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm not going into judgment. I'm a new person now. Water don't do a thing for you. But the Baptist tells us they're baptized. So don't be ashamed of being a Baptist. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I say, oh, you Baptist, oh, you know about baptism? Let me explain some baptisms. like five or six of them. See, the world was baptized. Amen. John baptized people by water. Jesus baptized by the Holy Ghost. Jesus was baptized himself into death. Yeah. So are you baptized? I just, we, I just, I do a senior citizen Bible study on Monday night. And one of my ladies there got baptized today at my son's church in South Philly. You know, man, and, I, and I preached a baptism law. I said, let me show you. And I told her, she says, I'm going to be a Baptist. I said, no, 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 no. You got to get baptized to be a Baptist. All right. And that old Catholic priest told me one time, he says, Dominic, you know, those Pentecostals, all those denominations who baptize by immersion are all Baptist. So you could take the name off. But if you dip, you're a Baptist. Amen. Amen. See that word dip? It just, it just threw me into a joke, like, come on, stop. So their words, their scoffers, we need to resist their words and we resist, resist their wills. They are willingly ignorant. Don't let that bother you. They'll say, well, how, who married Cain? Who mar I mean, they're only trying to find something wrong with the Bible. They're really not hooked into learning the book. 
They're hooked into resisting the book. They're looking for some error in the book. And so they engage you in conversations about the Bible only. If you can answer them a hundred times, they're going to come back with another stupid question. Be discerning in your soul winning. Be discerning in giving out tracts. I, I, in a hotel the other night, there's a lady there at the counter. I'm trying to get the printer to work. I can't get this printer to work. I said, well, let me go over there, and who knows, maybe God's wanting me to talk to her about the Lord, right? She works in the counter. And so guess what? The printer works. <laughs> Something printed. I, I don't need her. <laughs> Couldn't get another thing to print. Not one thing. So I had to go talk to her. Well, it turned out to be about a 30-minute witness with her. As you realize, I don't want to come and talk to you. This is a divine. I felt like Jesus had the lady at the well. And she acknowledged there was a divine appointment. As you're going through some things, aren't you? She said, yeah. That good? I almost had her come here today. But she lived it, and she went in another direction when she went home. Amen. Her name was Candace. Her, you, might, you might go there and see her. She's Candace. Wonderful young lady. But I do believe God had me to speak to her about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyway, God has given us a vision. And when scoffers come against us, you can't deny what you see. See, we see with our heads. They can't see. They're blind. But as that wonderful, amazing, great song says, I once was blind, but now I see. And now that you see, you're responsible. He said, before I came, they didn't see, but now they see, they're responsible. I'm going to judge them according to their sins because they see. Seeing is a privilege, but it's also, it's also accountability. Once you see, I would get my kids, they were all by, they, in the church, we had people walk by trash. Pick it up. It's not my job. You're going to be kidding me. It's our church. Pick the paper up. The bathroom's a mess. Clean it. It wouldn't do it. It wasn't their job. <laughs> You've seen it. You're responsible. Amen. And same thing with the needs. I had a guy, he was a deacon. He would come, somebody had a need of money. So I'd give it to him. Well, the churches aren't doing too good. Who said the church is going to give it to him? He told you he needs money. Don't, don't bring your bills to the church. Go take care of him. I said, God wants you to give him a couple bucks. Give him a couple bucks. Oh, don't we have any gift certificates around for the, for the market? If somebody asks you for something, you have it. James says, you don't give it, your religion's empty. When somebody walks in his church, if they don't get to the parish, if they get to you, you're in trouble. You know, brother, I'm not doing too good. I can use $10. <laughs> and well, I'm going to tell the pastor, no, 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 no. You're missing a blessing. Give, right? Once you see, you're responsible. Why'd you tell me you need $5? Why couldn't you go talk to her, my wife? She's got all my money. Go see her, amen. And uh, I hate going to the Wawa. In Philly, we have these Wawa chains, you know, these little coffee shops with sandwiches. I really don't like going there because they're all outside looking for money. It's true. I tell my son, I hate that verse in James. If someone's asking for you and you have it and you hold it back, your religion's empty. Whew, I hate that verse. Don't you hate verses? No, I hate verses that twist my arm backward. God bribes me like all the time. Especially if I don't want to forgive somebody. When you're not going to get forgiven, he gets the arm, makes it higher and higher. It's all right, God, I'll forgive him. They're verses that will twist your arm into a wrestling match. They'll make you obey. Now, remember the prophecies. Resist the scoffers, okay? And you can go on. And he says in verse 8, 
But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as of one day. I do believe I got a, a slant on this. My slant on this verse is a week. The time of the Lord is a week. Now, we know from Daniel, we could be seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years, seven times seven years, right? 7,000 years. I do believe that we're on a 7,000-year week. And it's just like a day. There's seven days in a week. There's 7,000 years. And if you get the Jewish calendar, and it's not accurate, none of our calendars are, they're around 585, I don't know. It's almost getting to 6,000. When you hit 6,000, 6,000, that's the night of New Year's. We're going to go into the millennial, 7th. You know, 7,000th year. And so I do believe that's a week. And God made the world in a week. And what happens in the millennial? We rest. The 7,000th year, we rest. Seventh day, we rest. The seventh week, we rest. The Jews rested. The seventh month. I have people come in and say, we're, we're, we're worshiping on the wrong day. I got a book in my, my mail, and we're, we're supposed to worship on Saturday. That's the real Sabbath. I said, okay. In seven weeks, we're going to take a week off. And in seven months, we're going to take a week off. And in the seventh year, we're taking a whole year off. So go ask your boss if you could keep the Sabbath. <laughs> Sabbath's more than one day. The Sabbath laws are more than one day. There's seven days, seven weeks, seventh months. They're holidays called the Feast of Weeks. Seventh month is the Passover, Pesach, right? Or not Pesach, Atonement, Yom Kippur, right? Seven years. They, they rest the land. They can't farm. On the sixth year, he gives them a double crop so they can get through the seventh year. So you, go, you want it to rest the land. It's a symbol of rest. I'm so sorry, but I, I just can't help but say things like that. And it's my slant. You don't have to take my slant, all right? But you can think about it, pray about it. There's some things that we really have no definites, but I think, to me, in my heart, that's a definite. But if it's not there, it don't have to be. All right, God has given us a vision, and we're responsible because of this vision. Now, I want to give you some reasons to remember, okay? In chapter, the same chapter, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that we all should come to repentance. So God's leading to what his delay is. This is a hint. Where are you? Where are you coming? This is our answer to the scoffers. God is so gracious, he's waiting for you to be saved. I point to them. There's no coming. Let me tell you why he's not here yet. He wants you saved. How about today? And I know there's a doctrine. There's the last Gentile is going to get saved and he's going to come back. That's not true. The time of the Gentiles is when he's fed up with the Gentile world. The seven-year tribulation period. When he's sick of the Gentile world, he's going to come back. There was a time, was a time of the Gentiles, he says to Moses, I'm, or Joshua, I'm done with the Gentiles. They became so perverted and sick, he sends Joshua in with an army and destroys many. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as, not, as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also, the works therein, shall be burned up. Young people, you got to know this. The world that you're living in now is not going to be much longer. Amen. What's good about you, you can get you be young all your life. I've been waiting for this thing to happen for many, many years. But Jesus is coming. And I can't tell you, and I hate to say the word soon, but God to say tonight. I got to say tonight because it's imminent. I don't know. 
If I would say soon, I would be not theologically correct. For me to be a theologian or a theological teacher, preacher, I need to say, coming tonight. Tonight. All right, here's some, here's some R's. R's. There's going to be four R's to this, to this finishing of this message. Verse 11. Seeing then, by right, all these things. See the word seeing then? You ought to underline them in your Bible. You see these things? I know seeing is italics, but it's not italicized in the rest of the verses. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you also to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for the hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth, wherein dwell the righteousness. Here's the R, live right. If you see these things, live right. That's what he says. What manner of persons are we ought to be on holy conversation or holy lifestyle? What's holy? Jesus is coming. Look at me. No, holy is you're different. You're weird. You don't fit in. The world calls you not normal. I got a message called normal. What is normal? What is not normal? Normal is something set by the world. But Jesus says, don't be conformed to this world in, in the book of Romans. Amen. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Uh, be the real norm. You know what the real norm is? Being saved. That's normal. You're normal. They're not. And you're letting them know they're crazy. There's something wrong with them. So when, if you live right in holy conversation, it doesn't mean you walk around, you know, all day with ashes and, and sackcloth. You just walk around and you say, let's go do this. I can't. Why? My dad. Dad's not even here. Oh, yes, he is. He's everywhere. I can't, I can't sin against this great love of his. By the way, we did the book of Ephesians yesterday. If you want some strength in any temptation, just remember Ephesians 1 and 2, how much God loves you. That will help you more in your temptation than any other, anything I ever found. The love of God. How can I sin against this love of his? You'll, you'll not want to sin against the love of God. And so here we are. We have live right. And we're all the way down to 11 to uh, 13, 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you have looked for such things, be diligent that you might be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Live ready. Live right. Live ready that you might be found in him. My wife, my wife would leave. I have six sons. So my wife would go to the store, take the girls out. We'd have the Olympics at my house. We had the bobsled, man. We had the, the rope this, and we jumped over tables. I mean, we made whole course. They loved it. I mean, they would break things in the house, and I'd get scars and, you know, stuff like that. It was fun stuff. My st we had a plastic sled with top of a step. I mean, that thing would fly down like you would not believe. And they'd get on that, whoa, oh, I love his dad. Let's do that again, you know? And then my, my, the, we had a dog that would bark when my wife's car pulled up. That's how we knew she was coming home. And I'm telling you, we lived ready. <laughs> Everybody was cleaning it up. Mom's home. Oh, no. I mean, you see commercials like that? We lived it. We did that. Man, mom, my mom, and we, we did. Oh, we look good. We forget one thing. And she come in and radar. <laughs> look what's there. What were you doing? Oh, my God. Who put that? Christian, we're going to kill you. You know what I mean? And so we lived ready because we know mama's coming back. We know not being ready makes her upset. We don't want to upset mama. We had such fun, right, without mama? 
We did all kind of stuff. We broke windows, gas ring, glass, microwave glass. I mean, we, you name it, the puck went everywhere. We broke, we played hockey. I mean, great save, but the puck got deflected into a mirror and that all came off. And, but six boys, I wanted them to love my home. My two prayers was love my home and love our church. Or two prayers. And if God would answer those prayers, everything else would fall in line. And by God's grace, they love our home still. They don't come and play hockey, but their kids do. I got a football, and I took the football apart, and I took the inside liner out, and I blew it up. So we were kicking field goals with this piece of rubber, like almost like a rubber balloon. I mean, we had field goal posted on it, hit the chandelier, like, oh, my goodness. Dad, what are we going to do? Don't worry about it, you know. I mean, I just say we blew some light bulbs. And, uh, and so live right, live ready, live responsible. Verse 15, <clears throat> an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is what? You're going you're to circle that word. Why isn't Jesus coming back? Just put this on your account. He's not coming back for one thing. Are you all saved? Because that's why he's not coming back. Because the day he comes back, and you're not saved, you can't go. You'll be left behind. Amen? Left behind. If you're not right, you'll be left. If you're not right, you're left. Put that down. Why isn't Jesus back today? One word. That ought to excite us Baptists because we're soul winners. You mean today was given for us just for salvation? Just so people get saved? Yes. What do you think Paul meant when he said today is the day of salvation? Now's the accepted time because we don't know about tomorrow. Yesterday's too late to get saved today. You can't get saved tomorrow because he's coming tonight. He's coming tonight. That's why today's the day of salvation. We have today, so maybe somebody in here can get saved today so they're not lost for eternity. Amen. Today's the day. Why are we waiting? What are you waiting for? You tell the scoffers he's waiting for one of them to be saved. I love when they, uh, they, they, uh, they get me and they circle me, the unbelievers. We have a lot of scoffers today. They wouldn't do this 20 years ago because they probably get beat up by the Christians, right? They feared us. They didn't realize how docile we are and how much we put up with right? True. But they're bold today. I pray for that guy, Marr. What's his first name? Bill Marr. You ever listen to Bill Marr? He's a, he's a brilliant, a brilliant journalist or, or comedian, whatever you want to call him. And he hates the liberals more and more and more. He sounds more like a Christian, uh, but he's a Jewish guy that mocks Christianity and Jesus Christ and many other things. But I hear him mocking it less and less and less. I pray for his salvation. You know the big guy, the two magicians out in Las Vegas? Who was those two big guys? Penn and Teller. Yeah, I pray for their salvation. And one night I heard him tell a story about a guy who went to his shows three nights in a row. But the guy was different than anybody else. And on the third night, he gave him a Bible. He still has that Bible in his hotel room. He says, I haven't opened it, but that man was special. And he told me he was praying for me. He had experience in the Lutheran church or one of those churches, maybe Episcopalian, I think that turned him away from God. You know, Gandhi says, I like the Christ. I don't like his followers. I like the Christ, but I don't like the Christians. Gandhi is a young boy who went to a church and because of his color, they kicked him out. I like the Christ, but I don't like Christians. Today's a day of salvation. That's what, and you know, when I keep this in my mind, I'm a soul winner. 
Yesterday was a day of salvation. God, who would you have me to talk to today? You don't have, it's no big thing. God leads people to you. If you're willing, God's willing. Amen. And if you just say, dear God, I don't want, you don't want people to perish because you love them, Lord, I'll talk to them. You don't have to love them, but you need the, his love needs to constrain you to do it. So here we are living responsible, living right, okay, holy conversation, living ready. He might be back any moment. We got to be, <laughs> the house has got to be cleaned up. Live responsible. He gave us today to see people saved. What do you use your days for? How many people here come to visitation night? Well, I'm sorry. I just can't talk to people about it. Who says you got to talk? You can pray. Well, I just want to go out in public. You don't have to. You can stay here and pray. They'll give you the cards they're visiting, and you can pray on the cards. I had people who could talk and, and walk, and I had people who couldn't talk and couldn't walk. But they stayed in the church, and they prayed for those who could talk and walk. I mean, we had great results. Anybody can be used in this, but we need to be conscious. God's given us today so people could be saved. Where is this coming? <laughs> Waiting for you to get saved. Today is the day of your salvation. And then live resolved, verses 17 and 18. You know, Paul, in verse 16, I skip it, but maybe I shouldn't. Uh, as also in all his epistles, verse 16, speaking to them of these things, and which are some things hard to be understood, which they are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do other scriptures unto their own destruction. The Bible's a dangerous book if you don't know how to handle it. It can destroy you if you don't interpret it properly. He says, Paul is a problem. <laughs> he says it in a good way. Paul writes things hard to be understood because he couldn't get his Judaism out. He could not get his Judaism. He couldn't get his religion out. There's a lot of Baptists who can't get their Catholicism out of their hearts. And they're dutiful. and They come to work just like good Catholics. And it messes up, mess, not only messes them up, the Corinthians, the cardinal Christians. So you've got to be careful. So he says here, Paul wrote scripture, hard to be understood. Don't stay there where you don't understand. Who did Cain marry? I want to know. Skip it. Find something that could help you. Get off the big, thick meat and get a glass of milk out of the refrigerator. When you open your refrigerator, you don't need everything in it. There's some things you probably couldn't handle. We have a grandson. Dom has a grandson. He's my great-grandson. How old's Louis? 11 months old? Ready to be 11 months old? We don't feed Louis meat. Amen? We don't give him stuff that he can't chew and digest. He don't even have teeth. He's got a few teeth. He's getting like me. You know, me and my, me and my great-grandson, I'm passing him. He's coming and I'm going. He's coming out of diapers, I'm going to go in diapers. He's getting teeth, I'm losing teeth. True, isn't it great, the passage? And by the way, when you're young, you grow so fast. When you're old, you get old so fast. It comes quick as the growth, kid. In the middle, everything is slow. But when you're young, boom, oh, look how big you got. When you're old, oh, look how old you got. <laughs> I mean, it's the same speed. <laughs> you pick up speed, you coast, and then you pick up speed again, and you're out of here. Amen. It's okay. We're alive. We're not going to die. We're going somewhere. And so live resolve, verse 17 and 18. Ye therefore, beloved, sing. Here's that word again. Sing. You know these things before. Beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked. That's the beginning of the chapter. It's chapter 2 and beginning of chapter 3. Their arguments, their debates, they're smart. Don't let them 
take you to their error. Don't lose hope in his coming. And if you have, get back to want to see. I want to be able to see your coming today. Give me my hope. Restore it, Lord. I mean, give me my anticipation. I want to believe. I want to know. I mean, God's Holy Spirit, fast and pray. Get back to where maybe you used to be. But be careful that you're not led away with the error of the wicked. Fall from your own steadfastness. So be resolved to fight their arguments. Realize that the only reason they're allowed and alive and allowed to speak against him is because God wants them saved. That's it. And verse 18 says, so what should I do in the meantime? Grow in grace. <laughs> Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who to him be glory now and forever. Amen. Now, I don't want to bring up soul winning and say, oh, are you a soul winner? You know, and maybe you're not a soul winner, but maybe you pray for souls. Or maybe you give out a track. It's like soul winning. Or maybe you, you're a prayer, you pray a lot for souls to be saved. That's okay. You've got Jesus' heart. See, Jesus wants that done by this church on a daily basis, every single day. Not just, well, one's visitation Thursday. We only go soul winning Thursday. No, no, every single day. Now, we do corporate soul winning, but personal evangelism is individuals going out knowing this, that the doors on the ark are going to close. I thought my mother was going to get caught outside at 83 years old. She got in. My dad got saved in the early 1900s by an Alabama slave that was in the Underground Railroad, wound up in Canada on my father's construction crew, and he led my father to the Lord. An Italian man with an interpreter, a black man, every night at dinner, would preach to my dad. Oh, I got some great stories, good stories. But I want to thank God counted, that man counted that day for a day to save an Italian Catholic who just got out of the First World War who was hung on a cross because he was a prisoner of war. And he tried to escape twice, and they caught him twice, and they put him on a cross. He knew a little about what Jesus suffered. Dominique, I was on a cross. No, I mean, and I didn't have suffered nothing compared. Every night for dinner, he would break Italian bread, and he'd dip it. Everybody got a little whiskey glass full of wine. It wasn't that doctrinally sound. <laughs> and we'd have to dip the bread in the wine. That was his grace before a meal. We're going to remember what he'd done for us. It was communion every single night. He broke his bread, he broke his body, and he spilled his blood. And then we could eat every night. Little whiskey glasses, all the kids, dip of bread, kids, grape juice. I want some wine, Daddy. That man's daddy give wine. And so um, I grew up with a saved dad, and he would fight with my mother. She'd have blessed some other statues with candles. And when you put a candle in a dark room with a, with a blessed some other statue, it moves. She does like the boogie-woogie. Like, she's dancing. Me and my two little sisters, oh, God, she's dancing. <laughs> We're screaming and crying. My father would come in, blow out the candles, and call my mother, stupid. What are you doing to scaring the kids? They don't need that. We needed the son and not in the mother. The mother was the box. He's the gift. And he would fight with her. He knew the Lord Jesus. He told me if I got Jesus, I would get the Father and the Holy Spirit with him. They come together. Little things like that. After every Mass, he wouldn't even stay for the whole Mass. He would stay for the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God. And as soon as the priest said, Amen, he walked out with me. And on the way home, I was about seven, eight years old. I said, Dad, you're going to go to hell. I just had my, my, my penance and communion. Now, you missed the mass. Well, you missed communion. You're going to hell, Pop. 
You get excommunicated. That's stupid. You got a Jesus. We got to want to sacrifice. And that's what he would say. Then he died when I was nine. I don't realize he's born again until my 30s. Door knocking. A lady said, your father was saved. He was. Called some cousins up. Called some Italians up from Italy. They said, oh, yeah, your father. And they told me the history. And my father got saved in Canada. Good stuff. Thank God somebody counted a day. My dad got saved one day. I got saved one day. Now, who's going to get saved today? Who's going to get saved if there's tomorrow? And I say, if there's a tomorrow. Tomorrow's, if we have a tomorrow, what's the purpose? Say it. One word, say it. One more, say it. Man, I suppose we have a Tuesday. What's that day for? How about Wednesday? You think it's going to change? We will, but God's purpose won't. And the day he says, he, Peter says, even though every day is counted for salvation, even though he's still going to come. One day, it's over. No more time for salvation. Now he lets Satan loose. And it's a dark time when no men can use the word, the light, chase you down and kill you. It's a bad time to be. If you're not saved here tonight, if you never went to the cross to get rid of your first birth and pick up his, you need to do it tonight. How about if we stand? Brother Rob, you want to give an invitation? Okay, Brother Rob, I'll turn it over to him. Thank you so much again for being so kind.